Welcome everybody to another edition of Rob's Revations. I am Rob Liefeld. This is my wacky podcast called Rob's Revations. Uh, we broadcast, uh, bring our show to you on Tuesdays and Fridays, and uh, and and we talk comics and pop culture and movies and and TV and toys and and uh, all of the things that are related to my passion, your passion of comic books, which uh, we have come a long way. We, uh, for me, I pulled my comics off the rack in 1975. That love affair was immediate. It lasted all the way through junior high, high school. I graduated high school. I needed to get a job. I was not going to be a lawyer or a doctor or um, any any sort of what, what you would call smart or intelligent position. But man, I was a creative, uh, I had a creative bend to me that I had, that I had been trying to, to exercise and, and, and develop uh, since fifth grade, sixth grade. So I graduated high school and I was fortunate uh, when I was uh, 18 years old to be hired into comic books and the rest is history. Um, C- Cable, X-Force, Deadpool, Domino, Shatterstar, Youngblood, uh, Supreme, Bloodstrike, uh, Captain America, The Avengers, uh, so many great comic books that I have been able to um, to bring to you guys. It's such such a such a blast, so much fun. And now I talk about comic books with you guys, and here we are. It's uh, it's early, getting up early to get this show to you guys, and and we started in 1975. If you've been walking with me since episode one and the comics industry changed. Uh, we, we had the direct market, the birth of comic stores. Marvel Comics tapped into miniseries. They published the first miniseries. We've covered that. They went into crossovers and and, and discovered the absolute uh, success of multi-part uh, intercompany crossovers. We have covered the, the classics, the greats, the age of Alan Moore and Frank Miller when they could do no wrong and they redefined everything that we knew was was that, that was possible regarding comic books. It has been uh, just a fun and amazing journey and it has brought us into the 90s. Uh, a few years into my own professional career, I've talked about all the friends and the peers that I made along the way in this tight-knit group and we are to the point where the first steps are going to be taken and we are going to form Image Comics because why not, okay? Why not Image Comics? I'll tell you why not Image Comics. The, uh, you know, Todd McFarlane, myself, and Jim Lee were responsible for the best-selling comics of all time. One day we just woke up and that was our reality. And what we would come to discover over the course of time is that we were the gimmick, okay? In a time where you can buy you know, uh, embossed foil. You could, um, you could, you could put acetate covers and make the cover look like an animated cell and, 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 uh, and, and, and market it as an animated cell cover like they did with cage number one, um, from Marvel when they, when they, you know, really dipped their toe big time into the, this extended, uh, portfolio of gimmicks. Again, gimmicks are fun. They, 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 when, when used to enhance, the story and the product, it's so much fun, but the industry absolutely became reliant on what, what gimmick was next. But we were the gimmick. Todd McFarlane was his gimmick, Rob Liefeld was his gimmick, and Jim Lee was his gimmick. And those gimmicks turned out to be worth more than um, 
any embossing and any uh, uh, acetate uh, uh, animated cell cover and any glow in the dark and all of the other various gimmicks that were suddenly being used to propel interest and sales. And uh, but to find that out, we had to uh, we had to step out of the comfort of the Marvel uh, the Marvel Empire and and so much of of what was going on during this time. It, this is that this this term had been really cultivated in the 70s and grew to such great strength in the 80s was the Marvel zombie. Often what was told about the image guys at that time was we broke the Marvel zombie mold. There was a understanding that if you left Marvel, you would go on to diminished um, uh, returns. You would go on to diminished attention in regards to your work because this, the Marvel stronghold and the Marvel stranglehold was so powerful. The creators that left would eventually come back because the success that you could have at Marvel was um, was greater than anything you could achieve outside of Marvel. And, and they really believed and they had the data and the sales figures. And I had gotten to know so many of the guys in the sales team and they could show you that the Marvel zombie was a buying block of customers. This this block would only buy Marvel, and and they bought lots and lots of Marvel. They didn't even give DC Comics uh, uh, a chance. These people literally uh, bought Marvel first, foremost, and always. So with us stepping out of the fold and going out on our own, there was already a uh, a an established idea that well, you guys will fail and you guys will be back. I, if I had a quarter for every time I heard that. Um, you know, the scripter that I was working with um, um, on, on X-Force said, oh, you, you, you guys are, are going to find out how, how bad you need us. Famous last words. Famous last words. Some of these guys have revealed themselves in years past in memoirs or awful, awful books published about comics by people with uh, terrible agendas who didn't even bother to talk to 50% of the subjects they discuss um, in their book. There was one of these that came out about 10 years ago. And boy, were there a lot of strong opinions by people who were left behind and didn't join up with Image about how terrible uh, the Image guys were. And 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 I, I I read this and I'm like, what are you talking about? It's it's not like we did not establish and uh, and give back uh, to Marvel Comics. I feel like I was a great 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 employee. I, I read the contract. I read my agreement. I saw where I got roughly five percent of whatever I created, and I just leaned into it. And I feel like I built. A, uh, a giant forest of, of oak trees for Marvel, Cable, Deadpool, uh, the the Strife, X-Force, and Mass, um, Domino. And if you don't believe me, look at my to toy shelves or go to, go to some of these comic conventions and see how many statues and action figures and pops there are just of these X-Force characters. So I feel like I did my job. I feel like I was a good employee. If, you, if, if I had um, come across a Rob Liefeld in my lifetime and he had come in and worked for me, and on the royalty system where he earned his own money and it wasn't a, a, a product of an established, um, you know, contract. I feel like that, that, that guy is a tremendous asset. Same thing with Todd McFarlane who turned around Spider-Man. Same thing with Jim Lee. Same thing with all of us. We contributed. We helped. We established uh, pillars in the same way that Wolverine was established. In the same way that Black Cat was established. In the same way that uh, Power Man, Luke Cage, or Black Panther. I mean, good God, Jack, Jack Kirby bled out, you know, uh, like two full arms worth of blood in regards to giving it to Marvel Comics with his 
amazing imagination and 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 all of the names and the and the and the pictures and the visuals that he contributed i felt like we followed in 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 in, in their in their um in in the legends in the shadows of the legends of the greats by contributing um terrific ideas concepts stuff that's still being built on again uh, built on today I, I read that um that a group that i created called the externals or or the high lords for for marvel which was an extension a higher plane of mutant existence a higher evolutionary chain of mutants that kind of were were like immortals that watched over the the mutant timeline that would put them way before apocalypse that would put them you know in the mutant universe for from the very outset and they had biblical names absalom you know um saul i mean i, I mean the, 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 these characters uh, were really, really fun to conceive. And it was the last story arc I did for X-Force. I, I picked up a comic book uh, last week in 2020 where several of them were being used as sacrificial lambs to power some gate that that, that allowed the mutants to access a, a, another venue and, 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 and access more power. Gideon is the first of these characters. Gideon is the first external, the first High Lord. He appeared in the first issue uh, in New Mutants 98 with Deadpool and Domino. And... The fact that in 2020, 31 years later, uh, they are still mining the stuff that I came on the book with in 1989 is exciting. It's, it's exciting. It, it thrills me. I take great pride in it. It's, it's like any, anything that, that Chris Claremont left behind that they are still exploiting. A good idea is a good idea is a good idea. It stands the test of time. My work and the work of my peers, I feel we stood the test of time, but it was time to pivot and and try something else. It was time to step out on our own and and uh, and see if we could expand, uh, you know, what, exactly what we were doing and, and maybe take greater control of it. And when I mean get greater control of it, if I wanted to do a pay, an issue of all splash pages, I could. If I wanted to do an issue of 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 all double splash pages, I could. If I wanted to do a 10 panel grid, I could do that. Um, there was no limit to our imagination. I was young, clearly hyperactive in my young 20s at this point and looking for the next, um, the next kind of uh, platform for my, my comic book career. Because again, I got into comics to tell comics. I'm still here. I'm still telling comics. I, I have a comic out right now, G.I. Joe Snake Eyes. Okay, two issues are out. I love it. I absolutely adore drawing comics. Nothing is as intimidating at the, at the start of that uh, first panel on whatever page you're drawing, and nothing is more satisfying than completing that page, as I did all weekend long as I continue to produce comic books. I'm in this game because I love this game. Um, I, I, I'm in comic books because I love to tell sequential stories. And at this point in my life, the move of Image Comics uh, opened those opportunities up. One thing you've never heard me uh, discuss up until this point, especially with this peer group, there you don't hear anything about actors, movies, uh, animation, television. We that wasn't even the in the realm of possibility. We were focused on making really great, kick-ass um, comics that you all could enjoy as much as we enjoyed making them. And I, I guess when, before we get into the image comics, that the path that took us all there is you're going to get. I've said this repeatedly. What is Image Comics? What is Image? That's what you have to ask yourself. What is Image Comics, and what did it mean to each of these guys? And over the course of time, I learned what it meant to each and every guy, and what it meant to me first and foremost as the guy that launched the label. That was um, my book was in the catalog all alone for the first three months as I was the guinea pig, 
And this is undisputed. Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, this entire idea of doing an independent comic label uh, started with us. I named the company. I named the company Image Comics. Uh, Todd McFarlane tried to uh, get us to call it King Comics at one point. We need to call it King Comics. And, and the logo will be a big golden crown. And I thought, that's weird. Um, or Kirby Comics. I just go, that's that name is not like we didn't get permission for Jack Kirby and King Comics is kind of weird. And sometimes it just felt like, uh, like, like, like to be in all honesty back then, I could tell when Todd was like, well, I, if, if I don't do more for this, it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be less mine. Well, it's, it's, it's almost 30 years later. And the one thing that Todd has done has really co-opted the label in a way that he, uh, it, it speaks, uh, counter to all his hesitation um, when it came to actually being a part of Image Comics. He was fourth in the door. It was myself, Eric Larson, and Jim Valentino. Uh, last in the door was Jim Lee. He was the last to agree to be a part of this. Uh, Mark Silvestri was uh, fifth in the door. And, and and so I guess Jim and Wills would be six and seven together because they came kind of together and were, with, and were being withheld together until the final... Um, the final decision was made and the announcements were made. I think in the original announcement, we didn't even have Jim yet. He was in the second wave. I'm going to go get my comic book buyer's guide and check if that's true. I'm pretty certain that that's the case. It, it started out with um, myself, Larson, McFarlane, and Valentino as being the first wave. And then it was like there was a ne another wave to come. So, you know, the news was building. And then we would do our little press conference, our official press conference at Mark Silvestri's house in Malibu. Um once once everything kind of was solidified and 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 I am getting ahead of myself here getting back to what is image comics and and with 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 Todd McFarlane image comics became this infinite uh, world of possibilities so what is image comics to him now represents maybe something very different than what it was at the time and when he embraced image comics instead of king comics um and he, and he agreed to kind of go along with Image Comics and, and 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 walk down this path with us and take this leap. Uh, again, he had had the trading card company, the Front Row Trading Card Company, which failed to launch and was frustrating for him. And then he, for whatever reason, decided, I need to go and try and see if DC will let me do Batman. To me, this was just a guy who didn't really want to go down the path that we had been discussing yet. He didn't trust that that was the best path. He was doing his own version of... Uh, of, of career management, which is good for him. He was he was making the moves that were the best possible moves. It's a little like when when um, this is the morning after the Lakers have won their 17th championship, and uh, and, and 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 the bubble, uh, the NBA bubble has ended, and the Lakers were crowned champions, and uh, and 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 there's been a lot of talk about the Clippers and how they felt to they fa failed to uh, make it to the Western Conference Finals to play the Lakers, and here's the deal. The Clippers were constructed to beat the Lakers. They were perfectly constructed by a former uh, Laker and the current NBA logo, the forever NBA logo, Jerry West, who with a giant billionaire, uh, Steve Ballmer, pooled together all their resources and their money, and they got Kawhi Leonard to not uh, sign with the Lakers last summer, which is where he said he was going to sign and kept the Lakers on hold for five days. And then he decided instead to go to the Clippers. Now, luckily we didn't have that kind of fraction, but there is a great what if there. And it's hard not to consider that if Kawhi had signed with the Lakers, he'd be hoisting a, tr a championship trophy last night as well. 
Todd was in the middle of his Kawhi Leonard five-day period at this time. Do I do Batman? Do I do sports cards? Do I go along with this crazy Robbie who's determined to do this? He called me Robbie a lot. I didn't take it as a slight. It's just what he taught, what he called me. Um, um, and uh, and and little buddy, L- little buddy, and, and Robbie, Robbie. So 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 anyway, the uh, when when uh, I'm busy designing the image logo, it was designed on a napkin at a burger joint in Brea, California. Uh, there was a, uh, my, my, my longtime uh, assistant uh, before he broke in on his own merits, which is funny considering his name is Marat, Merits and Marat. Um, we were sitting in a booth and we were joined by a third person, uh, a, a man named Chuck Jones. No, not the Chuck Jones that gave you Bugs Bunny. Uh, this is a a uh, friend of ours who lived in LA. He also was really good friends with Carl Allstetter, who was down in San Diego uh, doing work and, and, and doing a lot of background um, uh, uh, penciling and tech penciling for Jim Lee at the time. His name was Chuck Jones. Really awesome, uh, big, larger than life, always had a funny quip. Um, very large, large man. Uh, came from, I, I believe he lived in. Uh, uh, long no no it was Compton. Chuck Jones lived in Compton. He would make down make the trek down to see me at my studio with Marat. Often he had aspirations. I would go along to uh, I would publish a lot of Chuck's work at Extreme um, d- during our time there, during his time there. And and Chuck was always a joy to be around. A fun vivacious personality. He was there. He was with us when uh, I said, well, this is what I think the image logo should look like. And, and in rough pencil and then with ballpoint pen, I did a very detailed uh, uh, sketch of that Image Comics logo, which then having given it to my friend, Hank Canals, who you'll know, know descripted uh, Youngblood number one, that uh, that Hank put it through a computer uh, program and gave us the slick version of my napkin drawing. Um, and, and thus the Image Comics logo was born and was put on my ad for the Executioners, which got me yelled at by Marvel Comics when they saw this, what appeared to be, what appeared to them to be a overt challenge of all the work that I had done on X-Force, which was weird. But, and I, and, and look, post-cable, post-image, there were so many different big, let's call warrior guys with shoulder pads that they almost became, um, you know, you couldn't pick one apart. That that they were that that they were just they all kind of blended together. And so the big warrior guy, um, I think there was a guy named AX or Axe at Malibu Comics, and I feel like he he was another one of these like cable guys. And 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 so yeah, cable is an extension of kind of my 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 likes and my 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 favor as an artist and and my style. And so so for me, I didn't see the executioners as an X-Force team. Again, for me, like three of those characters in that picture are aliens. So they were an off-world, other-dimensional, um, they're closer, in, in, in honestly, in concept to, to what we now know as the Guardians of the Galaxy. But the executioners um, raised a lot of ire and, 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 and got people angry. But what I'm bringing it up about, got a lot of people at, Mal, at Marvel angry. The, the reason is that is the first time you saw the Image Comics logo. That's why I needed it done. That's why I needed it, you know, roughed out. Image Comics, what does Image Comics mean to you? So for Todd, for a long time, I felt like Image Comics was was uh, a countermeasure to Marvel, something where he 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 was doing 
Image Comics to punish Marvel, to remind Marvel what they didn't have. That that seemed to be his rallying cry again and again and again and again. And whether it was Mark or Eric or Jim, it would always be something that he would bite our ear off about. For me, and, and this is the most important part, what was Image Comics to me? Image Comics was an opportunity. It wasn't a movement. It wasn't a label. It was an opportunity. This is where I could create everything that I wanted to create that I would then keep and own and, and take with me for the rest of my life. And um, it was the, the, the label that we created was the, the, the label that I created what became this, uh, this kind of joint multi-partner uh, 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 company that we would all be able to do the same thing, have these opportunities, create your own characters and own them. And we invited as many people as possible along for the ride. Over, over time, uh, I believe the deal has remained very much the same. You keep what you create. When it comes to certain trade paperbacks and, and, and you're asking Image to go on a limb and, 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 and finance an entire line of trade paperbacks uh, that is a costly measure, collecting books in book format is not cheap. So Image becomes, in essence, the bank. They take a cut for that, but they don't take your ownership. And ownership and the freedom to walk in and sell profit to Sony Pictures and then sell it again uh, 20 years later to a different studio and have a different screenwriter on it or sell um, Bad Rock to New Line, which was a killer, killer uh, screenplay. Um, the, the brothers that did American Pie, uh, they actually wrote the very first Bad Rock screenplay and it was a hoot. Um, but again, the, the faith in comic book product, they'd, they'd walk it up to the line back in the days. They'd write the screenplays, they'd walk it right up to the line, and then they would not go further and come up with some excuse. This is some some um, excuse that this was too uh, this was too uh, expensive to go down this road. This is like 1996, 1997, and uh, and there was a great hesitation to go further on these comic book movies. But I couldn't do that unless I owned. Bad Rock. No matter where I I, I I I land, Rob Liefeld owns these characters. I believe in 1992 I introduced uh, 250 characters in my comic books that were distributed by the Image Comics label, but owned by Rob Liefeld. They're not owned by Image Comics; they're owned by Rob Liefeld. I've created so many characters, and um, I've lost a few along the way. I've lost a few along the way that, that I no longer have control of, but I have so many of them that, that, that I can't prioritize the ones I've lost. There's way too much left, like a prophet, like Evangeline, like Brigade and Bloodstrike and Bloodwolf. And it seems like everything with a B or a blood. Um, but, uh, but Dooms 4, um, um, you know, Judgment Day, Cyberpunks, uh, there are so many, so many uh, of of these titles, and, and I'm I'm just glossing over them right now. The Berserkers, who are the ex executioners with a different name. That there are so many characters between Brigade and Bloodstrike and the Berserkers and and Rejects and Kaboom, which which now were outside of the realm of Image Comics. Those are those are characters I created under the Awesome Comics banner. But but Rob Liefeld is the owner of these characters. Like I said, some are lost along the way. I focus on what I have and all the characters to come. And so in that way, the image opportunity that was created still exists today in my mind. I can create whatever I want, whenever I want. And it's going to be owned by me. If I create a character in a Deadpool story, I'm still operating under their 
rules, and that's fine. I know and have known, have always known the rules of engagement when it comes to making these characters that go into the other companies. And again, the 5% points uh, roughly that that worked out to back in the 90s was fantastic and has worked out to be great over the course of a lifetime. But it was time to roll the dice and to own the, the stuff that I create 100% so that if I wanted to develop a cartoon show or a movie or toys and I've done all of those things um, that, that I could be able to do that on my own. So Image Comics was this opportunity. Were you on board or were you not on board? And, uh, you know, the, 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 the label was distrib dis distributed as a, uh, as a, a label within a label when we launched, because like I said, I, I liked all the people from Malibu comics. I had driven down to see Malibu comics. Dave Ulbrich had met with Eric Larson and myself and Jim Valentino. And that was the course. And, and, and to, uh, to quote the, um, the Mandalorian show, that was the way that was the way that was the path that we had created for ourselves. right before launch. Uh, Todd also called up and said, cause I want to cover all of this was like, <clears throat> I'm up here in Washington and they got Dark Horse and Dark Horse is a more respected uh, publisher, a bigger name. We should go with Dark Horse. And I, I really brushed back as hard as I brushed back on anything at that time because I said, no, 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 no. Mike Richardson didn't really like him, didn't really get along with him, had had a few interactions with him. And my uh, our personalities just didn't match up. There's no re reason for me to go any further than that. Um, I respected everything Dark Horse had done. I was a regular purchaser of all the Dark Horse comics, but I had made my dealings with Malibu. And at the at the end of the day, we were going to skyrocket Malibu into the conversation and 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 elevate a relatively small publisher. Whereas Dark Horse was had already had John Byrne, Frank Miller, Sin City. They had Next Men. But why are we throwing in our lot with them? That doesn't make us special. We needed to be special. We needed to be on our own. And the whole thing with Malibu, and I don't mind saying this, and this is how we talked about it amongst ourselves, we could afford to push them around. We could afford to, um, you know, make what we wanted happen, especially given that our deal with them only extended for one year. And then we broke and we had hired our own publishers, uh, printing directors, uh, marketing people, uh, designers, you know, we pulled the money that we made from our books and we created our own uh, label from the ground up. But in the beginning, Malibu uh, served as kind of, they held our hand They as we learned to walk in, in a realm that none of us had been in, which was publishing. And, and, and the thing is, I was just not going to have um, Mike Richardson um, lord over us in any way. I had no relationship with him. Why would I suddenly be launching my first independent work, Youngblood, with a guy who I didn't know very well and I didn't like at all? So so I had already, again, Dave Ulbrich was somebody who was really uh, vivacious, friendly, uh, seemed very much, you know, focused on, on, on making us happy above all else. And we were we were the stars of the show at Malibu. We got all the attention. And I just thought there's no, I just liked the value that I could go to their offices and talk to them in person after having worked with Marvel long distance for so long. So I stood really fast and firm and, and, and the other guys weighed in. And I feel like they knew that we were way too down the road with Malibu. And so the dark horse where Todd could, if it was Dark Horse, Todd could go into the offices and he could go to the lunches and whatever the reason, 
Dark Horse didn't need us. Malibu needed us. And we were going to get their very, very best efforts and become the focus. And also, sometimes it's like, you know, when uh, LeBron leaves and goes back to Cleveland, which has no championship prospects, and then gives that championship to them, he leaves and they go, he did that. LeBron did that. It's it's very, look, sometimes we crave um, that that desire to be recognized for an achievement of taking something from last to first. And it was definitely becoming part of my um, DNA that, that I enjoyed taking kind of the, the, the big challenges on. And Malibu was eager to help us out. It was a big challenge to elevate them because they were probably, you know, number six, seven, eight publisher. And once we came on, they just shot right up. And, and so again, I did, I, I really brushed back hard on, whoa, whoa, whoa no, no, no. I'm not going to suddenly have to meet a bunch of new people, have to get comfortable with new people, which I then have to start fighting over ad placement, cover placement, um, terms. No, Malibu is a done deal. Todd needed to jump on board. And eventually he did. Now, as you all know, and I've said this again, and this is historical fact, Youngblood is the first book that is alone in the catalog every month. You read about this image comics movement in the fan press and in the and in the trade press, but Rob Liefeld, Youngblood number one, Rob Liefeld, you know, Youngblood number two, Youngblood number three. There is no accompanying books because they were waiting to see the returns. Now we covered in the last episode how how um and, and, and sometimes I do these uh shows and I, I digest them a few days later, all that was shared, because when I turn on this mic, I just go. I just I'm trying to keep up and 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 give you guys in real time break down everything that happened as it happened. And the fact that Paul Levitz let us all walk. I did, you know, in in it I asked for $150,000 guaranteed for the first 10 issues of my Titans book had it gone through at DC Comics. And he balked and that was not going to be the case. And that works out to be basically $1.5 million for the first 10 issues. You guys, I made $1.2 million on Youngblood number one. $1.2 million. Now, think about that. In one issue, I was able to earn back everything that Paul Levitz wasn't able to give me, promise me, didn't feel comfortable delivering to me in the in the over over ten issues. Over ten, the faith wasn't there, the desire wasn't there, and so Image Comics happens. And again, in one issue with Youngblood going back to press, remember there is a gold second printing of Youngblood. It, it famously says on the cover, second print. That was something that, that that really was a bone of contention and and, and was an ugly phone call. Um, you don't put it on the cover, but the gold bordered Youngblood is a second print that was out there in regards to demand because our million selling allotment was out. Or that the way this works, guys, the way this works is the retailers call in and go, "I need more," and the distributor says, "We don't have more. We had a million. We don't have a million. So then they call the publisher, and the publisher says, we'll give you another 150000 You know, we'll give you another 250000 there. Whatever whatever the number is. And so we uh, had to go back and print more Youngbloods because there weren't enough to get, uh, to, to satisfy the demand as, as, as it was. So this is just, you know, an insane time for me. But again, I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse because so much is happening. I'm still working on X-Force. This is like X-Force 7 that I'm producing um, while, while Youngblood number one is being produced and being solicited and being in the, in the catalogs and is out there. And so you always get kind of an initial taste. There's a, there's a first read of the numbers. Retailers put down a initial number before the final 
order. Uh, and, and that initial number gives you kind of a read on which direction you're going with your sales, but it's by no means final and they don't set the print run by this number yet. You just get a taste. And so out the bat, uh, Youngblood on its own, just with Rob Liefeld, was at half a million copies. Half a million copies of a $2.50 comic book. I had already blown way past my 100,000 minimum expectations because let's go back to what I started with. The Marvel zombie was a real thing. And, and, and it wasn't like John Byrne's Next Men or, or Frank Miller's Sin City were doing X-Men or Daredevil numbers. The Marvel zombie was a known factor in retail stores, in distribution to the publishers. They knew it. They knew the power of the brand. Marvel was trusted. It was relied on. It, 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 had, been given, it had given people like myself so much satisfaction. They didn't break. If you left, goodbye. We'll just hang around while the new guy takes over the X-Men or the Avengers or whatever book I'm loving, Spider-Man. And uh, so 500,000 initial orders on Youngblood number one. Holy schmoly. I am roughly at that point doing the X-Force numbers that I am leaving behind. Okay, so so this is incredible. Well, then we start doing the heavy press and image is a thing and everyone's showing their 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 uh, their their art and their characters, and their names, and their concept books, and this idea that it's going to be real, and we're going to be together, and now Todd's book is showing up in the catalog in July, Spawn number one, okay, and suddenly it's got the image logo too, so the image logo isn't just addressed to Rob's book, it's now on a Todd book, and it's going to be on a on a Savage Dragon book uh, before Youngblood hits your hands, and, and the fever starts up, and again, when we've talked, when the fever catches things get crazy they, they, they the expectations are nuts and uh and and the results are are even more incredible and so you know the numbers for for youngblood started to climb so by the time they go out in april of 1992 we are at a million copies but again i am putting the cart before the horse here so we have gone full thrust with malibu and while Youngblood is being cultivated and prepared and is going to go to press. Um, my discussions with Marvel are that I'm going to continue on with X-Force. I'm going to do both. I feel like in my mind I can do both. I can maybe do breakdowns. I'd seen this uh, movie before. Keith Giffen would hang around. Um, a, tr a tremendous influence. Keith Giffen with his very stylistic storytelling. He was the guy who did all the layouts and storytelling for you know, so much of what I loved on the early year of Kevin Maguire's Justice League, which was more comedic in nature and bore uh, Keith Giffen's very, very distinct stamp. Keith had gone from really penciling full-time to becoming this guy that laid out all sorts of books. And, and, and he had a very distinct way of laying comics out. He was considered one of, and was, one of comic book's best storytellers. So if you got layouts from him, the storytelling was already taken care of. It was nails. It was great. You knew that we were working for, from a very competent, uh, you know, diagram with which to draw your page. The camera angles were sorted out. I mean, Keith did it all for you. So then maybe a finisher came on or a secondary pencil. These were the con kind of conversations I was having with Marvel in regards to where I would go forward. And they certainly knew that I had so many more stories planned. The cable series that you eventually picked up with John Romita Jr. illustrating it was um, on the table. That was what I was going to do uh, uh, that the summer 
um, of 92 for Marvel. And I was going to write and draw it. And I had had it all kind of mapped out, laid out. There's a reason it is so heavy on so many of my characters. It is so, it, it, there's a reason that Six Pack and Kane and Strife, um, Domino, Bridge, so many of these characters, Grizzly, are a focal point. It was very, very detailed outline that I sent in to Bob Harris telling him how great this two-part cable miniseries could be and really, really dig deeper into his past, reveal more about um, the time traveling, where he's been, where he's going, his his plans in the present. And that was greenlit. That was on the table. That was going to happen. I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have Youngblood, this new book that I'm doing all on my own, and I'm going to still you know, be able to provide uh, the fans with monthly X-Force adventures. Um, it was when X-Force number one hit. It was the week X-Force number one hit that I got the call from Bob. Very polite, very, um, very, 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 could not have been nicer. Bob and I had accomplished a ton together. We had built an entire new wing of characters and adventure. And Bob was very um, polite in just saying, hey, Rob, it feels like we've, um, you know, reached the end of the road here. It's, it's, it's time to uh, maybe uh, go in a different direction and hand things over to the scripter. And so what, what do you say that the issue 12 will be your last as story? And I knew at that point that, and maybe I was just too proud. It was like, there's no reason to argue this. Um, they aren't certain of what's going on here. They see that this giant, this young blood is, is just blasting, blasting into the stratosphere. And the next episode, I'm going to walk you through, I'm going to walk you through like the 72 hours of Youngblood being released and the absolute insanity and craziness that resulted, okay? Because it really was just incredibly, uh, the, 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 the most head-spinning 72 hours of my life, uh, maybe maybe since, you know? I, I, don't, I don't know that I've had an experience like that. But Bob uh, had called and it was... It was, a, it was an understanding between gentlemen who had accomplished so much together. If Bob doesn't believe in me and Bob doesn't set me free, there is no cable, there is no Deadpool. These are, this is, this is like undefensible, these positions. Like, like they're indefensible. That, that there's no one who is going to argue who is there, that there would, there would not be a cable, there would not be a Deadpool, a Domino, a Gideon, a Shatterstar, an X-Force, period. If Bob doesn't unleash this hyperactive uh, 20-year-old who desperately wants to make a change and a dent and establish a legacy. None of that, none of that exists if Bob doesn't believe in me. His belief in me is something that I still cherish. Uh, he has been, uh, he just, he'll always uh, be a guy who I look at as, as someone who boldly, uh, it kind of enabled me, set me free, activated me, let me kind of just run, uh, run rampant or early, early on, uh, when I was at Marvel and doing the Jackrabbit thing, which we've covered, I wasn't tied down. I wasn't doing a regular book. And Todd had told me that I needed to stop being uh, a Jackrabbit. At that point, he's like, you know, they, they, they ask me about you all, all the time. And, and I say, Rob, it's a booking bronco. And, and, and you're trying to break him. He's a booking bronco. And, and, and you try and break the bronco, bronco and the bronco throws you. And, and sometimes... When the Bronco throws you, you get hurt. You get hurt. Let the Bronco buck. One of my favorite things he ever said, let the Bronco buck. And, and he said that he had said that to Marvel. You're, you're a bucking Bronco. And I told him, 
let the Bronco buck. And uh, I appreciated that. I still do. I, I appreciated that, that he told them to let the Bronco buck. And I thought it was a great analogy. And I, I think it spoke to the restlessness of a 20-year-old. Again, now that my son is 20 and he's coming through the doors with his college friends and they're coming to visit during the summer and we're taking them out to dinners and we're spending time with them. And I look at what that age looks like. And a couple of them, a couple of them are older than them. And when I see 20, I see, you know, new mutants. And when I see 22, I see X-Force. So I look at these faces and I go, oh, that's, that's what I, that's how old I was. And that's, that's how old I was. And when I see a 19 year old, I see Hawk and Dove. Um, it really takes me back. It shows me the youthful energy that I contained. And for me, it was all taking it out on the page. And so Bob Harris enabled me and allowed me to grow and to build uh, kind of what, what we said, my brand within Marvel. And I think the greatest uh, the greatest uh, thing that came about as a result of that is that I became my own gimmick. You were reliant on me for new characters, new visuals, um, new mysteries, and, and getting back to what we are about to discover is that, and the reason these characters are always so tied to us is that we are our own gimmicks. Um, everybody likes Todd McFarlane Spawn the best because Todd McFarlane and Spawn are um, forever tied uh, and unified as one. And even if Todd just inks some covers nowadays or if he does occasional inks on the interiors, he is associated with it. Um, or if he's, you know, doing the story, doing the plot. I know that, that Spawn's had some, a, a, a number of great writers contribute to it over its, you know, many, many years, 28 years now. And, uh, but, but like, even if he's not drawing it in the way that he used to draw comics, which I don't believe he has for uh, 20 years now, uh, he does not pencil and ink a comic book. And let me tell you something, penciling, inking, drawing comics is hard. And the more you do, the more that you do, the the higher, uh, you know, the the higher the 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 threshold is for doing the next page because you are constantly trying to not completely repeat what you have done on the earlier pages, you know, turn that head differently, uh, shoot this a different angle. I mean, there are certain tropes, close-ups of faces, of angry faces, the stuff that I grew up on. That's always going to work its way in, but those other multi-paneled pages require for you, if you're going to keep your audience fresh and your relationship with your audience fresh, to constantly be trying to wow them with something new. I've I've been doing Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe, a brand new property for me. And I have been trying to, you know, the first issue was all in the snow and the second issue was all in the jungle. Um, and, and so it, 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 it gives its own opportunities to create new, fresh, visuals and it is a big hike every time you are going to draw that next page and you are trying not to repeat yourself for instance i have done 4000 illustrated pages i counted up every page that i ever did a year ago and it's grown since then so we're, we're beyond but just by shy but and that's a great number 4000 pages in my career is a great a number um but there are so many who have done so much more a guy like eric larson is probably at 8000 pages, at least double me, maybe more, but at least, at the very least, because he's done Savage Dragon nonstop, you know, for 250 plus issues for 28 years. That is tremendous. And it speaks to his commitment. You know, I, I said earlier when we started this, it wasn't about 
Hollywood and movies. It was about comics and making comics. And for somebody like me, I had a lot of ideas. I wanted to um, have an outlet for all those ideas. X-Force had been where I was showing you so many of my ideas. Now, in my head, I had built out all these worlds. For instance, Bloodstrike and Brigade, Kane and Abel, two warring brothers who run different agencies at odds with themselves and the allies and the technology and everything that goes into creating that and, and the conflict. That was Bloodstrike and, and Brigade. And, and so it is important that I always exploit that relationship, these um, weary brothers and all of their uh, conflict with each other over the years. And, and early on, we did a, a crossover called, you know, Blood Brothers, which pitted them and their arsenals against each other. But that was all part of when I launched Image and the opportunities that a creator-owned company would give us. That is what was baked in to the entire concept. So Image became a label that you would come along with. And people have asked me before, was it more than you guys? Did you ask more people? And we did. Now, there were some people that we did not ask because we didn't enjoy what they did. It wasn't a um, one-size-fits-all invitation. You had to be um, exclusively invited to the club. Somebody who we had been talking with named Dale Keown, for instance, who was um, just dazzling everybody with his run on Hulk. He was um, just an amazing talent and had um, not followed Todd, but but came shortly after Todd left Hulk and just made it completely his own. And the visuals were the reason that that book was just blowing up. Everyone loved Dale's uh, Hulk. Todd had been offering him to come with us, and he was um, hesitant, scared. I don't know what they were saying to people at Marvel. I heard some people got threatened, but I can't verify that. Those are all rumors. Um, but I think some people were maybe maybe promised instead of threatened. Maybe they were promised a greater role within the company. I finally just decided while I was doing Youngblood 2 to extend to Dale, not an, not an offer. So the seven of us have banded together. We are the original founders, okay? That, that train has left the station. It's, it's going through Malibu for the first year, not Dark Horse. It, it's called Image Comics, not King Comics. And, uh, and, and, and those are the guys that committed. But early on, as we continued to recruit, recruit a Mark uh, Teixeira was another who did Ghost Rider at the time. Great artist, fantastic. Eventually would do Wolverine. He was reluctant. Um, some of these guys really loved the fact that now they would be elevated in status as well when we left behind. Certainly, Adam and Andy Kubert, super talented guys, um, were immediately the fill-ins for both Wills and Jim Lee when they left. It became the Kubert brothers on visuals, and they stepped up to, up to the bat, and they knocked it out of the park and cemented their legacy as this amazing tandem, these two brothers, individual, uh, but separately amazing, together amazing. They stepped into the breach. They became the Uncanny and the X-Men artists. We were all there. We watched it happen. It was fantastic. That was a big deal for them. They That was to be on the top-selling book at, at, at Marvel Comics was a big deal. They, they may have been the sixth or seventh best-selling image comic if they came along. So by them staying back, they actually benefited. It wasn't the worst deal in the world. Dale, for instance, I finally called him up and said, Dale, I'll pay you $10,000 for an eight-page story. Okay, let's just put money where the mouth is. You create a character... You, publish, you create it, I'll publish it in the back of Youngblood number four. And I knew that no one was paying Dale $1,000 a page. Nobody was getting $1,000 a page. Guaranteed. I'm cutting you that check. You're making that happen. So 
um, I, after turning down Todd and many others, I gave Dale a call. Hadn't talked to him but once time before. And I said, Dale, so will you, will you do the deal? And he was like, yeah, that, that number, uh, the number of pages was, was, was easily, it wasn't, it wasn't an entire comic book. It was an easy buy-in, um, 10,000 bucks flat. That's a nice bonus. Okay. Not everybody was doing the X-Force X-Men numbers as good as Hulk was doing. It was not sniffing anywhere near those numbers that Jim and Todd and I had left behind. And so, uh, so, so Dale, uh, eventually, as you guys know, because that story is in Youngwood 4, he got a taste of it and decided, hey, I kind of like this. I think I'm going to do this. And that is how Pitt and Dale came to Image. And that is an uh, that is a example of a guy who wasn't certain about the opportunity and needed a little more push and a little bit of a nudge. And did Dale go on to make millions off Pitt? He did. Again, this isn't about money, but the reward for the move was there. And I happen to believe that Pitt was some of his most bold, daring, brilliant, beautiful work. That stuff was out of the park. Awesome. Amazing. And 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 yet he needed a nudge. And that nudge was, you give me eight pages, I'll give you $10,000. There's no ifs, ands, buts. You don't have to solicit a book. You're going to be part of a book that's already, that already exists. The train has left the station. You can jump on board. Youngblood 4 was selling a million copies. It was getting a million eyeballs. You're going to expose yourself at the highest possible level. But again, what was spring of 1992 all about? It was about coming together as brothers in arms to flex our creative opportunities that we would now show that we aren't just Spider-Man or Wolverine or that I don't have just Cable and, and Domino and Deadpool to give you. I have more. And will you come along for the ride? And the number one thing that was told to us was that, wow, you guys broke the Marvel zombie. They came with you. All the Marvel people who bought your work crossed over with you and bought your image work. And that was just, I think the Marvel people were just reeling because that was a firewall that had always existed. There, It had not been broken in probably 15 years for them. And suddenly to find out that if you like Spider-Man, you were buying Spawn. If you liked X-Force, you were buying Youngblood. And if you liked X-Men, you were buying Wildcats. And if you liked Eric on Spider-Man, you were buying Savage Dragon. Here's the best part. Here's the best thing that was told to me. This is the great uh, place to wrap this up this week is that there was a really, really smart retailer named Bill Leibowitz. He owned Golden Apple. At the time in the 90s when Youngwood was launched, Golden Apple had three Southern California locations. It was the comic book store in America, not just Southern California. It was the comic book store of the United States of America. It was where all of the big events happened. It was where the media followed these big events. And we will get to, in the day of Youngblood release, we will focus so much on the fun that, that was happening at, at Golden Apple that day. But in my discussions with Bill Leibowitz, and then there was another gentleman who had a giant chain of stores in Chicago, and they both said the same thing to me. Because I told you, like, the, the arms race of gimmicks was underway, but the diminishing returns were underway. You got Todd, 3 million, Rob, 5 million, Jim, 8 million. Then Marvel wasn't selling a million. You went three, five, eight back to under a million. None of their gimmicks were getting traction. None of their, nothing else. And that's when we realized that fan fervor, that connection that we had forged, that trust that you put in us to deliver comics that you enjoyed, characters you enjoyed, visuals that you really, really enjoyed. That was our, that was our quote unquote gimmick. And it couldn't be bought 
with acetate cell covers and foil embossed and, and, and die cut um, claw marks through the cover. As great as all those things were, I have them all. I bought them all. Don't think I'm ever looking down the nose at those, but they just weren't. Um, the expectations for those weren't met because they thought, oh, we're we're on the train now. We keep upping ourselves. Three million, five million, eight million, back to below one million. What was going on with this arms race was things were kind of starting to peter out. We started with the cardboard covers. Remember, we started with the card, the 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 construction paper covers, pink, yellow, green, blue for for Dark Knight in 1989. Okay. Um, um, and, and those, those did phenomenally, which, which started the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man through, you know, multiple cover movement. Okay. So, so the construction paper is where it started and now we're at acetate covers, we're at die cut covers, we're at foil embossed. Okay. Glow in the dark with Ghost Rider is coming. So, so the, the Bill Leibowitz, Golden Apple said, you know what Image Comics was? Especially after our first six months and all the excitement and all the extra millions of sales that we were generating. He said, you know how you, when you, you blow up a balloon and you, you get a balloon and you blow that balloon up and sometimes the, 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 the balloon is as full of air as it's going to be. And if you put any more air in it, it's going to pop. He goes, that was the comics industry. But occasionally you get a balloon that you blow into and there's a pimple on the balloon, an extra little uh, like pimple. We've all seen it. If not, believe me, I've seen it. It happens. This extension of the balloon, an extra pocket of air creates a little pimple that grows on top of the balloon that literally could take no more air. And he goes, your image comics, everybody thought it was over. The balloon was going to pop. The balloon was going to burst. And then image comics became this extension, this pimple. I love that image comics is a pimple also in this, uh, in this great analogy. He goes, you guys became the extra air that, 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 that extended everything that was going on, the, the, the whole machine was about to collapse. The balloon was about to pop. And there it was, the unexpected bloop, the bloop, the extra pimple, the extra pocket of air that created, you know, a bump on the existing balloon. That is what Image Comics was to this retailer, this very successful, biggest retailer in, 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 in America. And if he wasn't, Mile High Comics and Moondogs were most certainly, and they all said the same thing. They thought it was over, that, that the downward trend was going to start, but this unexpected image comics opportunity came up that no one saw coming and it created this extra gust and extra burst and it blew up and it began this next chapter. So, so we're, we, 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 what is image comics? What is it to you? It, it's still the best deal in comic books. You bring your stuff, you own your stuff, you can walk away with your stuff. Netflix and I were doing a deal two years ago for six of my titles and we got really close and I said, you're not giving me enough. You're not giving me what Mark Miller got and his books didn't sell anywhere near what mine did. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to close down the talks. And it's so funny because an entertainment attorney, his kid played with my kid in high school and we don't talk about any of this Netflix stuff. He walks in, he sits on the bench next to me three years ago, two years ago, sat down and goes, Man, my buddies at Netflix, they're they're really they're really hoping you'll change your mind. I go, what? I said, we never talk about this stuff. Why, why are we talking about this? He goes, come on, man. I did your deals when I was at New Line, and uh, and 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 people talk, and 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 they just don't understand what they did to, to to make this deal go away. And I said, the deal wasn't good enough. And you know what? Maybe I don't sell those ca characters. Maybe my kids do. Okay, but that's because of image. That's because of the opportunity. 
So once Image was launched and we had this beautiful label with which to grow each of our opportunities and our imaginations, when it was all said and done, we get to take them wherever with us for the rest of our lives. And again, yes, some have been lost along the way. Maybe they'll be reclaimed, but I can't worry about that. I have so many. And that is because this opportunity called image, this, 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 this door that was open that would only that was only going to be open for a brief amount of time that we absolutely had to walk through in order to become the pimple on the balloon that expanded the comic books, okay? Expanded the comic book universe. And retailers loved us. Don't read all this. Oh man, these books were late. That's later on down the road. Image year one is nothing but pure white gold. It is just an experience that the fans love, that the retailers love, the sales are there, the excitement is there. I, when I think of the early days of Image Comics, all I think of is excitement. The sheer excitement that was generated. So much crazy love was poured out. Now here's the deal. So 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 we we have Image. We have our new characters. We got the Image logo. We didn't go with Dark Horse. We went with Malibu. We launched big. And when my numbers came in, if I haven't completely, like, again, I, I, I think I forgot to mention that when my numbers came in at 500,000, I mentioned this in earlier episodes. You don't think everybody looked at that and said, oh, I can do better than that. I can do better than that. Oh, I'll do better than life. I'll, I'll do better. We, we were a competitive, competitive cluster. We were very ruthlessly competitive with each other. So my 500,000 showed everybody that, well, now, now we can, we can go ahead and we can make this happen. Well, so in the episodes ahead, we will talk about the formal coming together of Image Comics, our press conference, when we all got together in Mark's house in Malibu, and and the inevitable and and insane 72 hours that launched the very first Image comic book, Youngblood. I hope you'll come back. I hope that you will continue to listen, share with your friends. We got so many episodes now, plus 40 episodes of this Rob Observation podcast, and they are so comic book focused, and I love all the feedback. You guys, thank you for the feedback that you're giving me. The one thing I love hearing is that you guys appreciate how much I break down the numbers, the math, uh, the costs, the benefits, the royalties. It's all, in any other business, we would be discussing this all the time. You open the sports page, and you, again, today, Dak Prescott, wonderful, amazing human being, had a terrible sports football injury. And the first thing that's coming out is, oh, but that guaranteed contract, they're associating him immediately with money. Oh, the money it's going to cost the Cowboys. Will Jerry Jones, it's money, 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 money. Athletics, money. Athletes, contracts, movie stars. What's this guy getting paid to be in this role? What's his piece? What did he get on the back end? Okay. Comic books has so far for so long protected the money. And believe me, we are going to talk about the money, the contracts, what's earned on royalties, the the dumb contracts when a dumb publisher decides that he's going to take a flyer on a way past due writer, but because he's got an association with Marvel, he's going to he's going to hire him and overpay him and ultimately lose his own job because he made the worst call of his life. Stuff like that is going to get covered. We're going to cover the money, the contracts, the royalties, all of it. It is part of this brave new world. But but comic book people don't like talking about this stuff because they don't want you to know what they have been making or what they're making. And and in every, any other industry, we know what the president gets made. We know what stars get paid for movies and television and music, all these big contracts, and most of all, sports, okay? I appreciate you guys 
um, sharing with me that you appreciate the candor with which I discuss this. I, w- I would not have done this if I couldn't discuss all of it. So the warts are out there. It's, it's all out there. Uh, Image Comics was, was a movement that started with myself and, and Eric Larson and Jim Valentino. We eventually, uh, I guess, you know, uh, massaged all the fears out of Todd so that he would join with us. And, and eventually, I think the numbers were to the point that Todd, uh, that, that Jim could not say no. Mark's a different story. We'll cover that later. So much more to come on Instagram, on social media. I am at Rob Liefeld on Instagram with the blue check. Had an imposter just last week again. Had to tell everybody that guy's not me. Um, the verifications matter. Talk to me on Instagram. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld. Catch me on Twitter at Robert Liefeld. Thank you for hanging with me. I love hanging with you guys. Please continue to take care of yourselves. Stay safe, and we will talk again soon. 